Warning, this content is for mature and open-minded individuals. While I won't place an age restriction, my writing tends to lean towards adult situations with potentially offensive language and sexual situations that some may find inappropriate. Discretion is advised. Hello, and thank you for joining me for another episode of From the Nexus Podcast, episode two. And if you are hearing this, you are either listening to it from either my website, fromthenexus.com, or you have found it on iTunes Podcasts. Uh, I am now up on podcast on the uh, a podcast app, and so if you actually search uh, From the Nexus, you can find me. And I would appreciate as many subscribers as I can get, and uh, if you like it, feel free to pass it along. It's a, It'd be great to pass my, to have my work listen to more people. Um, no, no news, uh, thus far yet today, uh, this, for this episode, I do have something coming along the horizon, uh, just a small little thing I'm being a part of, but I will, uh, get more into that once I actually get a, uh, solid final date on that. Um, so there's not much on this, uh, so far, so I just hope you enjoy this short. It's kind of a dark comedy. I find it to be a more in, kind of an entertaining little uh, comedy. It's uh, not necessarily a horror, not a comedy, kind of in between. I'm hoping to maybe get an actual full-on horror story out. Maybe even uh, do one of my uh, do my sci-fi uh, little series I've been uh, posting on there. But right now, this is a longer story, so it is going to be uh, considerably longer than the previous uh, story eulogy. And I hope you enjoy it. Uh, please, uh, again, if you uh, like my story, you can either. Send me comments on my website from the Nexus or leave reviews, uh, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff. Uh, and I hope you enjoy it. And so I bring you the morning after. I can't think of anything worse after a night of drinking than waking up next to someone and not being able to remember their name. It's an awkward situation to say the least. I know that our time together could be defined as pretty intimate, and I want to say that I wanted to be inside her at one point, but I'm not quite sure how far I got. Sure, I'm being a bit crude, but I'm simply trying to express how awkward the following morning can be if you can't remember the name of whom you went home with mere hours before. Now. I'm sure she can't remember my name either, but to be fair, I wasn't exactly honest since I didn't tell her my real name. I'm not Blake Rogers, a telecom specialist from Big Business. I'm David Carroll, and I'm an independent contractor. Why the need for the deception? Well, let me explain how the evening devolved into what it is now, and you be the judge. I had just gotten a call, and I knew I had to hit the bar slash club scene ASAP. I considered going to one of my regular dives, but I decided against it. I was worried that I was frequenting them too much for me to be comfortable, and I didn't want trouble following me home. Instead, I decided to go to some place new where I haven't been seen before. My normal stomping grounds are bars and clubs with fairly dim lighting, so it's harder to get a clearer look at me. Now, 
Not to sound vain, but I'm a good-looking guy, and that can be a problem. I like to be presentable, but forgettable. I try not to stand out, because anonymity is something that I welcome. I like to make an impression, but not a lasting one. Just enough to grab one's attention, and then after I leave, my face is just like anyone else. I'm not tall or overly fit. I'm not short or ginger. I don't have any visible tattoos, and my clothes are nothing special. I just try to be an average guy. Average was good. Average was useful. The bar I found was decent, dark, and full of college students. It was prime hunting ground, and I was certain that I could find someone to take to a no-tell motel for the night. Now, finding the right person wasn't a matter of gender. It could have been man or woman. Frankly, it didn't matter as long as it was the right person. The bar was full, so the odds of me taking someone back to the motel that I paid for using a prepaid debit card was high. Now, from someone who was in his mid-twenties, going to a college bar left something to be desired. From the frat boys to the sorority girls to the obviously under-21 crowd with the fake IDs, I had to be careful about who I chose. I could go after someone who was already drunk, but carrying them out would grab too much attention. Plus, it's just a hassle. It's better to gain someone's trust so they would come with me quietly. Kicking and screaming is the last thing I needed. The next problem is finding someone who isn't in a large group. The larger the group, the easier it would be to ID me. As I said, I prefer false names and false memories. So obviously large groups are out of the question, which means that both frat boys and sorority girls are not an option. They often stay clustered together and bring a lot of attention to themselves. As an added side effect, I have also noticed that this is a deterrent for me picking up a man. From my experience, openly or even closeted gay men were less prone to frequent straight bars full of frat boys. Now, I'm not saying that frat boys are homophobic, or that they couldn't be gay or at least bisexual. It's simply an observation. Now, it's pretty easy to figure out who were and were not Greek. The shirts and tattoos were dead giveaways. Upon seeing them, I tend to steer in the opposite direction, trying to avoid them. On more than one occasion, I caught someone's eye unintentionally, and from then on, the evening was ruined. As I said, I am good-looking. Not as a boast, but just to demonstrate that I walk a fine line between memorable and unmemorable. Once I was in the bar, I moved to the back to scope up my prospects. There were a number of women to choose from, but I had to find the best. There was a blonde sipping a green cocktail of some sort with another redhead who had her own beer. The blonde was far too thin and not my normal type. The redhead was thicker, fuller, but I noticed every few seconds she would pick up her cell phone to text or Snapchat or whatever. It was impossible to keep someone's attention when they were on the phone so damn much. I turned away from them and saw another duo, a man and a woman. Around my age, they were obviously a couple, or rather were a couple. They were in the midst of an argument that would no doubt end in singlehood for both of them. I could try my hand at her, but the emotional roller coaster that would be driving her actions would be impossible to predict, and getting her back to the motel could prove to be difficult, if not impossible. You may not appreciate my pickiness, but I have my reasons as to why I do what I do. Path of least resistance. As I sat and watched the crowd, the waitress approached me. She was lean and fit, someone who could give me a run for my money. She was definitely my type, but the issue was that she was a waitress. Her memory was far too good, and the last thing I needed was the cops knocking down my door because she described everything in detail from my face to my inseam. Also, she was an employee, and that would just be foolish. She took my order, a beer, and left me to my devices. We engaged in brief conversation, but I saw by the way she held herself, she was interested in me. This would normally be flattering, but it was ultimately counterproductive. 
I could definitely see myself taking her home, but I was dedicated to my task that night, and I could not let my own personal feelings get in the way. To avoid any obvious signs of rejection that may allow her to remember me, I adjusted my mannerisms ever so slightly and spoke with more of a lilting quality. Given the noise in the bar, it was easy to slide this in without her noticing, and in seconds I portrayed myself as gay. I didn't want to do it too much or else I'd become a walking stereotype and, yes, again, more memorable. I was certain my deception worked since I saw her interest shift to disappointment. As they say, all the good ones are either taken or gay. A few minutes later, the waitress returned with my beer and we had a brief exchange of pleasantries and she left shortly thereafter. During that time, I saw the girl I was looking for. She was looking at her phone, but with an air of disappointment around her. The slight tells of her face, the micro-expressions that few can read, were all I needed. She was waiting for someone, but it looked like they were canceling. Now, this is where the dance really picks up tempo. I needed to know if she was expecting someone to arrive separately, or was someone expecting her home like a roommate. This I could not divine by observation alone. I would have to engage. This would not be the easiest, since I kind of shot myself in the foot minutes earlier. The waitress thinks I'm gay, so as to appear straight would elicit a memorable reaction to her, and trouble would ensue. I would have to keep an eye on her and make sure she didn't get in the way. It looked like the girl was in another waitress's area, so I had a workable buffer. Beer in hand, I went over to make a new acquaintance. Is this seat taken? I asked. The girl looked up at me and grimaced slightly. For the sake of the story, I'll call the girl Anita, as in I need a girl. Anita looked up at me a little confused, but disinterested in what I had to say. Um, sure. I mean, no, she said. I smiled slightly and took a seat anyway. You alright? I asked. Now, it's something to note that the bars are not like they are in the movies or TV where you can sit down and have a nice conversation. On most nights, in college bars anyway, you have to shout to be heard. It's not like a club where even this is barely audible. So our quiet conversation was a bit louder than I would have liked, but it was really the only place I can operate without raising too many eyebrows. That obvious, huh? She asked. I offered an awkward smirk as I nodded. Well, it's not subtle, I said. I'll work on that, she told me with a wry smile. Well, for what it's worth, the guy is an idiot, I said. She clearly appreciated the sentiment, as that smile grew into something a bit more genuine. Anita, she said, offering a hand. I accepted it graciously. Blake, I replied. I won't bore you with the details of what we talked about, because frankly, I don't quite remember. Not to say that we didn't have a good conversation, it's more the fact that my mind was focused on other things. Though I don't remember her name, I remember some things about her. She was a grad student who lived alone and studying to be a therapist. She was a fitness buff and uh, was preparing to run her second full marathon. I never really saw the need to run for fun. I mostly did it for cardio aspect of exercise. Also, she was expecting to meet a blind date who happened to cancel because he was just too nervous to meet her. Which meant that he had no real intention of meeting her in the first place. Good for me, bad for her. After a few drinks, Anita warmed me, and we really got along well. Now, I don't have intimate relationships. It's not good for business, and mostly I'm just not programmed that way. I think there's a part of me that didn't develop properly when in the womb or during my formative years, so I've never really been able to make any real connections. My empathy had to be a learned response rather than inherent. Sure, I can understand how people feel, and how, given proper context, to respond, but I'm not one to cry over an unjust death or feel for a grieving family. Pets are something I don't understand. 
Now, I've never killed an animal. I just want to put that out there. But I don't go awe to a cute picture or see them as anything other than a nuisance. Anyway, I guess I would be classified as a sociopath. To quote a great detective, I'm a high-functioning sociopath. Now, not every psychopath slash sociopath becomes a serial killer. In technical terms, it is just someone who with an enduring antisocial behavior and diminished empathy and remorse. It's that combined with other emotional issues and triggers that creates killers. I'm not a killer. Well, I'm not an intentional killer, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, it was almost 11 when the concept of leaving the bar came up. She was fairly tipsy, but not drunk. I was fine. My tolerance for alcohol was pretty high, so I was able to pace myself very well. The waitress that I had been watching was gone, having left an hour earlier. I was grateful for that, not having to worry about pulling too much attention from her. The conversation came to a point where it was time to figure out if my night was a failure or a success. I had been planting information all night, saying that I was only in town for a few nights and that I was staying in a place nearby. After that, it was just a matter of sealing the deal. Do you want to get out of here? I asked, setting down my empty bottle. I had just returned from the restroom and I was ready to go. Anita considered this for a moment, her head seemingly swimming from one too many drinks. Now, I didn't drug any of her drinks. That would be kind of productive. I needed her mobile, and practically falling down if not already unconscious just would not do. I'm a psychopath, not a scumbag. There's a difference. Yeah, let's, she said with an enormous smile on her face. Check and mate. I paid her tab with cash and gave a decent tip. Not too big, not too small. Average. We left the bar behind and I led her to the motel room. This was easy because she trusted me. As I said, empathy was a learned skill, much like sewing or card tricks. I can read cues and behave appropriately. I chose this particular motel because it was close to the bar, had no cameras, and didn't require ID if you paid enough, which I did. I had a number of fake IDs, an associate of mine is a very good forger, but an ID still required a picture and I didn't want my face copied if I could help it. So paying extra for someone to forget my face was worth it. Now, as I said, I took some care to prepare my room. I also took care to prepare myself. At my door, we started making out. With her distracted, I opened the door and ushered her into the darkened space. Now, this comes from practice, and I've gotten pretty good at multitasking, so as I kissed her and moved her into the room, I removed a small syringe from my pocket. Closing the door behind, I flicked off the cap, and under the guise of caressing her, I used it as a guide to find her neck, and in less than two seconds, I inserted the needle and depressed the plunger. Before she could even react, she was out. I locked the door and turned on the lights. The motel room was fairly plain, a bed, TV, closet, and bathroom. My bag was sitting on the bed, just waiting for me. While the living space was barren and plain, the bathroom was different. Plastic sheeting on the floor, walls, fixtures, basically anything that had to be cleaned, it was covered. Once Anita was in the bathroom, I ran to my bag and pulled out a saline bag with an IV drip, a needle, and a bottle of sedative. I needed to make sure she remained unconscious throughout the entire procedure and well into the morning thanks to diluting the sedative with a saline solution on a constant IV drip. Hooking her up to the IV, I gave her the sedative. I ran into the room where I insisted there was a mini-fridge. Opening it up, I pulled out the blood bag I had placed in there before leaving for the night. You see, when harvesting an organ, there can be a lot of blood, if you're not careful. There will be blood regardless, but trying to minimize the damage is something I strive for. You may be wondering where the blood came from. Well, I have a friend that works at a blood bank. With a few hundred bucks per transaction, I have my own supply chain. As I said, I'm not a killer. I'm a sociopath, and my source of income comes from organ harvesting. I collect organs for the black market and sell them for a decent price. 
Now, I don't take anything that is absolutely vital to life. If you have two, I'll generally take one. I don't go on a spree. I just get an order from what they need and then take it. That day, it happened to be a kidney. Now, I've gotten very good at clicking parts. I was in medical school for a long time, but the issue with being a doctor is that there has to be some sort of care for your patient's well-being. I just didn't care. So I took the skills that I was given and dropped out. Now, while I try not to actively kill someone, I really don't care if they do die. I just prefer if they survive because that's one less body I have to worry about disposing of. Sure, there are risks at leaving someone alive, but using the modified defibrillator, I simply run a brief current through the brains and wipe out the short-term memory. It's a neat trick I learned while researching the biology of memory. If you haven't picked up on it by now, I take a lot of precautions to stay off the radar. Now, I have done something like this many times, taking kidneys, lungs, even eyeballs, and pieces of liver. That night, things took a turn when I went back to my bed to get my surgical tools and started to feel a little lightheaded. I thought for a moment that perhaps I moved too quickly and I was simply getting dizzy. However, even as I stood, the world continued to drift further away from me as my head grew heavier. In my stupor, I struggled to figure out what was happening to me. I knew it wasn't the beers. I didn't have enough to make me tipsy. I needed a steady hand, and any slight buzz would make me put off my surgery. Was it a gas leak? I didn't smell anything. Perhaps it was carbon monoxide. If that was the case, then I was done for. The front door looked a million miles away, and I didn't think I could make it out before I passed out. It was as I tried to get my senses, I couldn't help but think about how all my victims felt when... It was then I realized what these effects were. Drugs. I was suffering the effect of a drug, and there was only one drug I could think of that could be administered without my knowledge. I left the table for only a moment to use the restroom, and that was long enough. If my theory was correct, and I was certain it was, someone has slipped flunitrazepam into my drink, or more commonly known as a roofie. Anita had slipped me a roofie. As I came to this realization, I had stumbled into the bathroom, and that was the last thing I remembered before waking up. As I said, I can't think of anything worse after a night of drinking than someone waking up next to you and not being able to remember their name. Especially when we are both waking up after being drugged. What happens next is completely up to whoever can get to the scalpel on the floor between us first. Personally, if I get it, I just might spare her. After all, she played me well, and I'm very impressed. I don't know what her intention was for me, or if she'd be so magnanimous when it comes to sparing my life. Clearly, she was the one who slipped me the roofie, and I was as curious as hell to know why, but that may remain a mystery forever. Of course, if I do kill her, there's one thing I have to know. What is her fucking name? And again, that was The Morning After, a uh, dark comedy I had written, one of my own stories. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, again, if you want, if you do enjoy my work and you want to share it along, which I hope you do, uh, you can uh, visit me at fromthenexus.com or you can search on iTunes podcast From the Nexus. Uh, please rate, like, and subscribe. Share it. Please let more people know so I can, uh, so more people can hear my stuff. It's a, 
hearing from people would be fantastic. Uh, I would like to thank Jonathan underscore A, or Jonathan A, uh, for using his theme, Epic Piano Theme, as the intro song. Uh, it was uh, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. And um, again, I would like to also thank uh, Linton Sonic uh, for using Dancing and Drinking by Linton Sonic. Uh, for the intro to the podcast, to the um, to the episode, uh, to the episode, uh, and that's uh, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Uh, so um, hopefully, I will have something up soon. And uh, until then, let your imaginations run wild.